The San Francisco 49ers win their ninth straight and overtime win Robbie Gold field goal through the uprights to not only give the 49ers the two seed, eliminate the Las Vegas Raiders in week 17 from playoff contention. Rapid react time right now. You are locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. Ultimate Football GM is uh, an awesome football game. It is a fun simulation-style GM football game. To download the game, just visit ultimategm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store. How about a two-seed, Croc? How about maybe even one seed? Within reach for the San Francisco 49ers in week 18 with the Eagles lost. Things getting very, very interesting. But um, uh, for those of you staying up late night with us here for the live episode, Crocs at 1 a.m. Miami time of arriving in Miami after a delayed flight. He's got the shades on already. Um, I don't know if the shades Crocker because you're in Miami. It's going to be bright out there on the beach. I think it's nighttime there. I think it's dark outside. Are you uh, wearing shades because of how bright these San Francisco 49ers future is in the playoffs right now the, the future is extremely bright for the 49ers and you're looking at it you know seeing who, who wins who loses minnesota vikings i think we've known that they're kind of fraud they've somehow have a lot of wins but they're not very impressive they took a big time l to the green bay packers who's coming on strong as of late niners definitely needed that and then you look at the philadelphia eagles two straight losses Gardner Minshew can't get it uh can't do it and then uh, uh jayla hurts will he come back for the last game if not 49ers potentially can be the number one seed. Didn't think it was possible, but here we are. Pretty awesome. It was a pretty fun game. Um, and I think my number one takeaway from this game is that uh, exactly what we talked about with Brock Purdy, kind of wanting to see some adversity. Didn't want the 49ers to play bad or lose or, or anything like that. But the 49ers needed Brock Purdy and the offense to carry the team to victory this week. The Raiders with Jarrett Stidham putting up 500 yards of offense. There was almost a thousand total yards of offense in this football game. Definitely not something we predicted, but we got to see that adversity. We got to see the 49ers need uh, Brock Purdy and the offense to lead them to victory, to outscore an opponent that was scoring a lot of points on them. And the 49ers were absolutely up to the challenge. It wasn't a perfect game by any means for Brock Purdy. There were some mistakes there. I want to talk a little bit more about that, a couple of throws, uh, and get your thoughts on that. But um, overall, it was an interesting game, a game script we didn't expect to see. And, Croc, I don't know if uh, you have any apologies to make to the Stidham family, uh, but I think that's something we did not expect to see against the 49ers defense too, right? Stidham, he was out there. And we, we've talked about his mobility. And what was there, and and you said, hey, he, he can move a little bit. And we saw his ability to make plays with his legs when need be. But I think more importantly, it was his toughness. He hung in there. 49ers had zero sacks. I think part of it was he was just going to stare down that gun barrel and take a shot while throwing the ball. And more times than not, he was accurate. Obviously, it bit him on, on that last throw where, I mean, Nick Bosa. And, and this is the part where I don't want to say sacks are overrated, but I don't think they tell the full story. 49ers didn't have a sack in this game. But Nick Bosa was constantly hitting Stidham. And on the very last play, 
uh, for the Raiders, Bull rushed mm -hmm. the left tackle right into the lap of the quarterback. He couldn't finish through his throw. Ball popped up in the air. Interception, impact play, even though he didn't get the sack. So um, it was very cool and exciting to see that, you know, how, how that whole thing played out. But, yeah, Stidham, he was good. He was good. Re really good, actually. And I don't think it was, you know, necessarily uh, Daniel just, you know, scheming everything wide open for him. But he was hitting stuff, made throws, was uh, hanging in there. It, it was really cool to see. Question from Daniel in the chat. Did this have anything to do with the 49ers defense maybe not having a lot of film on Stidham? I, I, I think there could be something to that. But I think more, more importantly, Stidham, he's been in the, in the office with Josh McDonald for four years, right, when the, his entire time with the New England Patriots. So I think that might be a more important nugget, than, even more so than 49ers not having the film, just understanding what McDaniel wants, where maybe Carr still trying to grasp that and you're not getting those same results. Yeah, it's funny because Stidham's been in McDaniel's offense a lot longer than Carr, and it looked like it in this game, even though it, you know it, he's not a player that ever started a game. And uh, R.D. Ripley in the chat says, uh, I, I stayed up to tell Peacock this is all his fault. He said, and I quote, it would be nice to see Purdy play from behind. So, yeah, I apologize if the, if the I mean, the locked on 49ers reverse jinx might be, uh, jinx and reverse jinx might be in full effect, Croc, with me talking about Purdy uh, needing to put the team on his back and the offense carry the defense, if that could happen playing from behind and you talking about Stidham and uh, the best way to, I, I forget exactly what the quote was from you, Croc, but it was funny and uh, a lot of listeners brought it up after the Friday episode. I think you said uh, the way that you shut down uh, the, no, the way to defend Devontae Adams is to start Jarrett Stidham as quarterback. But he looked pretty yeah. good. And, and, look, and I think a, a lot of, um, speaking of the lockdown 49ers jinx, a lot of what McDaniels did, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but it was the thing we talked about. If there was a path for the Raiders to give the 49ers trouble, it was, okay, athletic quarterback. Utilize that. Extend some plays. Uh, and then once you do extend those plays, can you find maybe a uh, a broken coverage to exploit, or maybe you know keep the sticks moving with with your legs as a quarterback? Um, throw some you know throwing a lot of short, efficient, high percentage passes. Although they were kind of throwing the ball down the field a little bit too, it helps to have Devontae Adams making some amazing catches. A couple of really good ones in this game. Do you think uh, the one big questionable one too though? Do you think it should have been overturned? I, I thought it should have been looking at his hand it, to me, but you had to piece it together though. And maybe they didn't do it to the full extent of which I did looking at it through the lens of 49ers and 49er fans where it just looked like his left hand was off of the ball while it looked like the ball was on the ground. But I don't think there was a clear definitive view that that was like, you, you see the Brown on the ground. It was like, you see his glove. It, Feels like like no, I, I know I'm not stupid. I know the ball is on the ground, but I don't think there's any way to like truly, yeah. truly, truly prove it. It's and it's like it just because the ball hits the ground doesn't mean you don't have control either. And the ball didn't necessarily move when it hit the ground. So I, I credit Devontae Adams for first of all being able to corral it. And he grabbed it with his right arm, brought it in, and he had his left arm kind of under the ball, but to the side of it, not completely under. So when he fell on it, you know the ball touched the ground, but it also didn't move. So I just got to yeah. give him credit to make it look close enough that they couldn't overturn it once they called it a catch on the field. If they said no catch on the field, I bet it wouldn't have been overturned either because I just don't think you could quite see what was going on there. Um, but you got to give him credit on that play. And, I'm, you know, I kind of don't, I don't really have a problem with them not overturning it. And he's obviously a really good player and uh, he's so important to that offense. But Jared Stidham was much more impressive than I expected. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. He, he was good.
it, the ball, I thought the way the ball came out of his hand uh, was really good. It had, had some nice zip on his throws. You talked about the mobility part of it. I mean, I, th I thought that put a lot of pressure on the 49ers defensive line. If that was Derek Carr back there, I mean, how, how many sacks would the 49ers have had? So here's the other thing uh, about the pass rush plan. And this is what changes for the 49ers with a more athletic quarterback. And I think we saw that this week versus uh, what we saw from uh, Washington and the quarterbacks they have. And it's a lot different than Carr. And I think they would have given Carr a lot more problems because watching Nick Bosa rush in this game was very different. You saw so many bull rushes, so many times where he wants to control the offensive linemen, have sight, and I'm, I think contain is a bigger part of the game plan when they're playing against a quarterback that can get out on the, on the move a little bit. And I think you saw that. So that's why there were so many um, like quarterback hits. Like uh, Bosa was credited with five quarterback hits, including the very last play of the game, which sealed it for the 49ers. And that interception is not going to go on his stat sheet, but that was made by him. Uh, he wasn't doing a lot of that, you know, where you, where you go, uh, you, you, you pressure the offensive tackle to the outside. Then you come back underneath inside and swipe inside. Bosa wasn't doing a lot of that. And he gets a lot of his sacks that way because I think he had to keep contained. So I think part of it was pass rush plan was the reason there wasn't a, a big sack total. Um, and I think just well-executed offense by, by the, uh, by the Raiders. And clearly they were targeting Diamador Lenore and uh, Tano Hufanga trying to get some some broken coverages and it and it worked a couple times. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And I got a lot of questions about Lenore. And, you know, maybe we can get it to him and Hufanga on the second in the second uh, segment. Really talking more so about them. Maybe the defense right didn't have their best performance. Uh, is this something that we could expect moving forward, or is this a one off? So uh, even against Washington Commanders, I, I'd say that. The 49ers defense came through when they needed to, but you know, you know, giving up 20 points that's more than what you average giving up per season uh, on the season. So, are the 49ers figured out? I think I think that's what people are trying to figure out, right? The, the, the right. fans and what they're kind of alluding to. Two really big plays though with the interceptions. One with the uh, the ball that doinked off of um, Kerry Hyder and it was intercepted by Drake Jackson, just fell into his hands. That was a gift. You could see him on the sidelines. Like, look, it was just in the air, and I grabbed it. Uh, and then, of course, the Bosa play at the end uh, really made it. Two, two huge plays by the defense in a, in a game where they gave up 500 total yards of offense to the Raiders and Jarrett Stidham. Unbelievable. All right, let's get into that a little bit more. Crocs inside on the defensive backs will, of course, give out some game balls, and I think most of those are going to go to the offensive side of the ball for the San Francisco 49ers in week 17 next today's episode of locked on 49ers is brought to you by our newest sponsor ultimate football gm pretty geeked out about this one because it is a football game and i know everybody listens to this loves football and probably just about all of you guys at some point or still do play a lot of football games and uh, this one is fun because it is for all of you that ever dreamed of becoming an nfl gm managing your football franchise your dream has come true now with ultimate football gm Manage every strategic aspect of your team. Play through the season and lead your team to glory. Responsible for drafting players, hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go and play as you want and when you want to. I'm in year two of my San Francisco franchise, and I've got a quarterback by the name of Roland Battle that is just uh, phenomenal. He's no Brock Purdy, but he's pretty good, and, and I think I'm turning my franchise around. A little bit difficult to start with, too, with the, with the roster you're given, much like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were in 2017. 
Locked On 49ers listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On, all caps, uh, one word, all caps, Locked On. Make sure you check it out today. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app or look it up on the app stores as well. That's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Podcast and get daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, plus in-depth analysis and the biggest games, key predictions every Friday. Of course, on the Locked On NFL channel, you can find the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, and make sure you're also dialed in this draft season. It's January. It is officially draft season with the college football season almost over. One more big game uh, to go with the national championship and then we got Senior Bowl, all kinds of stuff. Croc will be covering daily on Locked On NFL Draft. All right, what do you make of the the coverage stuff? Clearly, that's something that GMs and and this isn't the first or GMs coaches. This isn't the first team to do it, but I think we really saw it here. And and I think that's sort of a Bill Belichick thing too with Josh McDaniels. Bill Belichick's always known for okay on defense, we're going to take away whatever your best thing is, and then on offense, we're going to attack whatever your weakness is until you prove you can stop it. And and I think that's kind of what the process was for Josh McDaniels in this game. And you look at the 49ers defense, and it's the best defense in the league. Where do you look? I guess we got to go after Yamador Lenore, right? And and I think they did heavily in this game, and I think they got Talanohu Fonga a couple times, and, and not every time, but they tried to get him to be over-aggressive a couple times, and it worked. Yeah, and there was also a couple of holding penalties on Traverius Ward as well that were sometimes away from the throw. Yeah. So he's kind of been a little extra grabby uh, uh, throughout this season. It kind of gets overlooked a little bit uh, because he has played well. You know, outside of that, you know, when you look at the other guys, Lenore, especially Hufunga, man, you look at that touchdown Hufunga gave up early in the in the, uh, in the game, and I did have someone tweet me and say, can't wait to hear Croc explain how this is not a defensive back's fault. I'm like, dude, that's not what I do. What I do is say I don't know exactly whose fault it is a lot of times, but it was clearly Hufunga's fault on that play, and I could see what happened. Now, listen, I'm just going to try to give you the insight from a defensive back's perspective, right? And you're looking at it. You're looking at Hufunga. He's down in the box. It's third and two. What are you thinking on third and two against a team that has ran the ball at will early in the game? Oh, man, they're probably going to run some power or something like that. They do a run fake, and your eyes get caught in the backfield, and you let a guy like Darren Waller get behind you. And, uh, you know, that's tough because what do you what do you play more? Are you more aggressive versus the run, or are you like, nah, we're just going to let the run go, and we're going to play the pass? So he was more aggressive versus the run, especially with his eyes, and let a guy get right behind him. And, and that's not ideal. And then you watch who uh, – Diamond Lenore, he's targeted early and often in that game. Gave up catches to Devontae Adams, who's really good. So, right. So I'm not gonna knock him for that one. But the Moreau, Foster Moreau one, like, Moreau, you know, and he's right it. there. But it's like, bro, make a make a play on the ball. You know, you're you're right there. Now Lenore's not the biggest of guys, and Moreau's a pretty big guy, but you, you got to be more aggressive at the catch point. And when you're not, the, the guys like that, they take the ball away from you. Now, there was one that he did make a good play on. It was the near interception that got batted around, you know, 10 times. Looked like they were kind of playing hot, hot potato back there. Uh, that was a good play by Lenore. That might get a little bit overlooked, but because that was a third down play as well. But, yeah, he had, I mean, he had a rough night. Now, how do I view Lenore? I don't view him as an equal to Emmanuel Mosley. So... My expectations of him aren't as high. Yeah, he has to be out there, and he's playing on a really good defense, but he is what he is. So there's not – like Josh Norman last year, and I think he's a little bit better than Josh Norman, I don't have high expectations for him when he steps out there on the field. 
I do like the competitiveness sometimes from Lenore. Um, and yeah, you could see his lack of length there on the Foster Moreau play. And I think on a, on a couple of plays with Devonte Adams and that, that one that, that we talked about earlier that we thought, you know, maybe it could be overturned and he's, it's, it's tough because the defense is so good that he's probably the weakest link out there, but I also don't have a problem with them either. He's a, he's a good player. He's not Typical. terrible, but it's just the, it's the, the, the offense has to find somewhere where they're going to go. And I think in this game, we really saw them attack the Amador Lenore and, and, and the 49ers can expect to see that. So I wonder what else you do coverage wise to mask that or to make up for it. Do you have to sort of start to, um, Go more too high, more moving a safety over there. Jimmy, uh, I, I wouldn't say put Jimmy Ward on the outside. There's Jackrabbit Jenkins. Uh, BSE says is a Jackrabbit time. I don't know about any of that. Uh, I, I think they're they're fine. They're just you're, you're not going to have eleven All Pros out there all the time. Well, and Lenore was he was getting beat against Washington Commanders as well, vertically. And there was one time he kind of got bailed out by a penalty uh, when he gave up a, a deep catch. I think it was Dotson. Uh, that that got him down the field. So, uh, you know, I guess your expectations for him can't be the same as if it were Emmanuel Mosley out there. And if you look at it through those lens, then it's just like whatever happens, it kind of happens. And you hope that just people are good around him. And that's what I tend to, tend to lean on when watching the games. Like, I'm I don't know, oh, man, I'm going to get him out of here. He stinks. Like, that's not really my reaction. It's just... Right. Somewhere in between. We do that a lot, Croc. What we end up doing is when people get too high, we try to give them a little dose of reality, bring them down a little bit uh, out of the clouds. And when people are too low, we try to remind them what's really going on and, and, and where the 49ers are going and what they're going to be. So um, I think it's like that with Diamador Lenore after a game like this. Um, I want to go to the offensive side of the ball, Croc. Matt says, we definitely lose this game without Christian McCaffrey. I would say that McCaffrey was awesome in this game. I would say we definitely lose this game without the offensive line. Zero sacks for zero yards. Again, we've seen that a couple of times. McGlinchey doing a really good job with Max Crosby and massive holes in the run game. Massive holes in the run game. So look, uh, running backs, I know, always get the credit and McCaffrey's a great player and it's awesome to have McCaffrey in the lineup, especially not having Debo in the lineup. I think that's been huge, but you got to give credit first. That's probably my first game balls. I got to give it to the offensive line. The offensive line is really good in this game. Yeah, they were moving bodies early and often, and I was like, man, just keep keep running the ball uh, up the middle. And Christian McCaffrey, part of that, thought he did a really good job with his vision. I think his patience in the run game is, oh, man, I mean, it is terrific. He yeah. truly understands how to run in this outside zone. And there's sometimes where I see him pressing the edge, and he's like pressing the edge, pressing the edge, pressing the edge, and then boom, puts his foot in the ground, gets north right down. I'm like, oh. And that, that's, that's beautiful. I, and, and, I, I get why. And I don't know if this is what he was doing in Carolina and why Kyle said, you know what, it's going to work as much in the run game as it is in the passing game. I'd say this is the best version of him on the ground that we've seen, right? Because, uh, I mean, if you look at last week, what was the average? Like barely three yards per carry. And even if you go back the week before that, maybe the same thing. But this game, and maybe that has something to do with the Raiders. I think their run game, I don't think they're very good against a run. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it didn't look like so, it in this game. Yeah, the, right. And the the highlight run too. The and I don't know who the DB was, but I don't know what that attempt was. Maybe he was like it looked like he was maybe trying to punch the ball out, but he was head up with Christian McCaffrey coming right at him, and he kind of like threw his arm down, 
and just got ran over. I was like, what are you doing, dude? He's going to get killed in the meetings watching that replay. Uh, that, that was, that was an awesome, uh, that was an awesome highlight. McCaffrey. He's going to have that one guy make a video of him piss, piss down the side of his leg. You know, that guy. <laughs> Uh, but you can't do that. I don't know what that attempt was, but yeah, there were some big holes. I mean, Jordan Mason, he only had a couple carries, but he was six and a half yards per carry. Congrats on so two big congratulations for the running backs, too. Uh, congrats, Jordan Mason, with his first trail in the chat here, reminding me. Uh, Jordan Mason with his first career touchdown. That was awesome to see. And congrats to Christian McCaffrey becoming the leader in receptions for a running back in the first six years of his career, surpassing one Roger Craig. So that's pretty cool. Game balls, Croc. We're 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 in that that section of the podcast now. Next, let's give out some game balls. I already gave one out to the offensive line. You can decide if uh, who else needs to get an off or get a uh, a game ball here. But I have a feeling a lot of people on the offensive side are going to get a game ball. But first, I want to let the folks out there know about our great great friends. I just had one today at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat? But don't want all the fat and calories? Well, then you got to try Built Bar. It is made for you. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes unbelievable. Uh, better than a candy bar, in my opinion. Uh, we just got through the holidays, and I know my goal and a lot of people's goals. I started my my goal early this year, too. I, I started a few weeks ago, and I, I'm trying to get down. And I'm, I'm serious about it this time. I'm in a better place to be able to do it. And Something like Built Bar can really help you when you want to treat. Get something that's high protein, low sugar, and low in calories. Everyone's trying to eat a little healthier this time of year as we hit January, right? So if you're like me and you're like a lot of people, you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then we've got the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, no. Uh, they're so delicious that you won't even think that they are good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? For starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That always helps. That's right, real chocolate, which makes you really feel like you're getting a treat. And then some unbelievable flavors like peanut butter, which is my favorite, peanut butter brownie, coconut, almond, churro, uh, unbelievable flavors. And I don't know how they pack all the flavor in, but they do. And the amazing macros that go with it. Only 130 calories in most Built Bars, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of of protein and they're not just online anymore of course you can go to built.com and get a box of built bars but you can also find them through your local walmart or sam's club as well as a few other places i've seen built bars on the shelves so uh if you're close to a sam's club run in walmart go inside grab yourself a box hit all the flavors uh brownie batter and churro and you can thank me later or go to built.com all right croc it's game ball time uh, Christian McCaffrey gets a game ball. The offensive line gets a game ball. Kyle Can Shanahan we, gets a game ball. I was just thinking that. Should we just give it all the way down through all the coaches and all the players on the offense? Because the offense had to carry the team, and they did. They, Kyle they did. And uh, shout out to Kyle Shanahan. He, he drew up some uh, timely screenplays where the passing game wasn't necessarily good at certain times in this game. And he said, you know what? 
Herbert McLeod, we're going to throw a screen to you. And he got guys out in front of him. He's making guys miss. He strikes down the field. He had one reception in this game, 42 yards. It was off of a timely called screenplay. Uh, Christian McCaffrey late in that game. What they do, dial up the screen, get it going uh, down the field, a 38-yard gain. So, I mean, that, that's almost 100 yards right there in passing yards just off of two screenplays that I thought were really timely called. So, uh, really kudos to him. Uh, understanding what he had to do with the run game. I thought that was really good. And continuing to, to make it to where uh, Brock Purdy is in a good situation as well, to where I, I still never felt like everything was on him. And when it was time for him to make some throws, he did a really good job of that. But uh, kudos to Kyle Shanahan. It, it, it's not this easy, Croc, but if you're a defensive coordinator and you're playing against the 49ers, especially on this day, at what point you'd say, can you guys cover – Brandon Ayuk on the inbreakers, or maybe you just can't because he's that good. Because it was amazing, play after play after play, they kept the ball rolling uh, on uh, what could have been a disastrous play. Brandon Ayuk, one of the biggest plays of the game. In fact, uh, Brandon Ayuk going up to catch a ball out of uh, Purdy's hands after he gets hit when he's throwing it. Brandon Ayuk, I think, absolutely deserves the game ball in this one. I know he's targeted twelve times. I think he ended up with what nine catches, right? Nine catches for one hundred and one yards and a touchdown for Brandon. Ayuk, he was the focal point of the 49ers passing game. Yeah, and that's exciting for me. You know, I'm in the group chat with the Cowboy fans, and there's always the CD Lamb, Brandon Ayuk thing. And I'm like, dude, if Brandon Ayuk got the targets Lamb got, who Lamb has like 50 more targets this year, like, dude, he'd be a 1,300-yard receiver. He just doesn't get that many targets. It's not that high volume of a passing attack by the 49ers. But in a game where now you have to throw the ball a little bit more than 22 times like the 49ers did against the Commanders, well, what happens? There's more targets for Brandon Ayuk, and what do you know? He goes over 100 yards. I, I think he's always has that ability. I really think in any time he steps on the field, but he just doesn't get the opportunity. Finally, in this game, he did, and he came up huge. Seen a lot of Brock Purdy in the chat, Croc. Is this a Brock Purdy game ball game? Yeah, because he did what you were asking to see right we're talking about a, a situation that is a little bit less than ideal i'd say say most of the games that he's played in really comfortable i compare it to like watching the golden state warriors and when they're playing ahead and they start th shooting those threes how much more confidence do they shoot those threes with uh and, and they're just falling left and right boom bum bum curry throwing the ball in the air turning around before it hits the ground or before it hits the net right and I felt like a lot of the games, that's, that's Brock Purdy kind of playing with house money a little bit because the 49ers are so ahead. Well, this game was a little bit more pressure-packed. I thought he still continued to be up to the challenge. So uh, definitely a game ball for Brock Purdy. Someone asked about his arm strength, though, and I know you had something on that. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to talk about that for a second, but I want to bring up BSE in the chat, brings up Brian Greasy. He says, Brian Greasy, game ball for uh, calming down Purdy after he started to press and missed some layups. And there, there was some hiccups in this game from – from Brock Purdy, but just on the Brian Greasy thing, and, and we don't really know exactly what goes into being the, the on a day to day basis, being the quarterback coach or how important it is. But just judging by what we've seen from Brock Purdy, seeing how good Garoppolo was playing this year as well, Brian Greasy's feeling more and more like potentially a home run hire for the 49ers. And John Lynch talked about this week how it was actually Brian Greasy and uh, Clay, is it Clay or Clint? I always get it mixed up. I think it's Clay Kubiak, right? With the 49ers, the youngest of the Kubiak sons um it was it was greasy and kubiak were really the ones that were the point men on brock purdy and really liked him and kind of talked everybody else into uh in in, in the end they all agreed that they really wanted brock purdy and, and they 
we're, we're talking to him as an undrafted free agent, ended up using the last pick in the draft on him. So Br- Brian Greasy, a big part of why Brock Purdy's on the 49ers. And how many games did Brian Greasy watch him in college while, you know, being a, a, on ESPN, right? Yeah, being a broadcaster, that maybe that helped um, in, in knowing the college game a little bit. But it seems like Brian Greasy's doing something right. So uh, shout out to, to Brian Greasy. It's the mental part of the game. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, when you made the hire, well, what does this do for uh, Trey Lance? And it's like, dude, the development from a mechanical standpoint, a lot of that stuff happens in the offseason. But the mental aspect of it, that's what position coaches are really there for, preparing guys mentally to be able to get on the field. The, the game is won from the shoulders up in the NFL. The, the athleticism is a little bit more equal for the most part, right? Some guys have a little bit more special than others. But getting guys to understand exactly what to do, maybe how to uh, really translate what Kyle Shanahan wants onto the field, but maybe hearing it a different way from someone that actually played under Kyle and Mike. And I think that was the benefits of having a guy like Brian Greasy in there. So there were a lot of people that were like, uh, I don't understand. I'm like, I clearly understand the hire. I always liked the hire just on in the sense of what I thought they were trying to do with it. And he must really want to do it because it would seem the broadcasting gig is a way cushier job than being an NFL quarterback coach, right? For the hours you put in and, and probably the pay as well. So um, Brian Greasy might be in it to win it. So this from Jesus, Purdy doesn't have arm strength in closing windows. This is something that I saw today. There was a couple of throws that hung up. There was the one where he's rolling left, tries to hit Kittle on the opposite side of the field. I just don't think that that club is in his bag. Like, I don't know if Purdy should be attempting that throw. That's the, you know, that's the, well, that's the uh, elite throwers can make that type of throw. And he was fading away from it too and making the throw. And the ball hangs up, hangs up there. Uh, then there was a play right after that. It might have been back to back throws where he hangs one up down the right sideline to, was it to Ayuk on that one? Oh, no, it was Jennings. It was Jennings. And Jennings was able to get his hand on the ball, but clearly, I think. Brock Purdy wanted to put it out there a little more and it wouldn't have even been a, a contested catch. So both of those plays, the the offensive player had a chance to maybe go up and make a play on the ball, but they could have as equally been intercepted by the defender too, because they were just jump balls essentially. And both balls looked to me like they were, they hung up there and, and, and Purdy just didn't have enough on them. Is that something Okay, like he was a seventh round pick for a reason is, are we seeing with some throws like that? Do you, are we seeing a Purdy ceiling, even though he's done been look and this is not me i I tweeted about it during the game and people are freaking out it's like i'm just saying on a couple throws you see it and and this is just it's part of it's all part of the evaluation it's part of the scouting report is that ultimately the ceiling that would cap brock purdy because there's just some throws he can't make and if it's the case does even matter now i don't know if he was hurt i know there's a time after one play he was kind of he was moving his wrist around. Like, I wonder if maybe he was even hurt, and we'll find out if something comes up on the uh, injury report from Brock Purdy. But you see a couple throws, and you think, man, maybe in the end it's going to hold him back from being someone great because he's doing a lot of great things for the 49ers right now. I I think that there's a reason why some guys go in the first round and other guys go in the sev- seventh round. And for the most part, really with anything when it comes to football, it's understanding what your limitations are and and knowing how to play around it, right? I was a guy who ran a 4-5, so I knew I had 4-5-5, five, five, right? Like close to a 4-6. So I knew I had to play receivers a certain way, right? Like especially if somebody was faster than me. I had to like, okay, E, you understand your limitations of what you do, so you have to play it this certain way. 
Once you understand that, then you can have a little bit more success. And I think when it comes to Brock Purdy, continue to do the things that you do well. And like you said, don't start to veer outside of that because that's not your game. Now, when people wonder why guys are drafted as high, it's because, well, there isn't any throw that they can't make. Now, the consistency of it is a different thing. And how many times in the game will you need to make that throw? Now, and I always say, well, you don't need to make it until you need to make it. Now, I was watching Dak uh, Prescott like a year or so ago, and he tried to make this one throw, and I'm like, yeah, you don't need a big arm until you need a big arm when you're trying to throw this laser in there, and you don't have that in your bag. But if he just does what he does well, I think he'll be more than fine. And I think we've seen the ability to make plays off script. Um, he has this craftiness to him as well. I, I think there's so many things that he does well that, okay, the lack of arm strength, just don't try to do those type of things where you're going to be in trouble and he'll be fine. But it is there. I I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I saw it in the preseason. There was a throw and I was like, oh, eh. you know, and it's like, well, he, you know, got his body under him, got his feet under him, stepped into the throw, got his hips through, and then still the ball didn't do maybe what he was expecting to do in the NFL when windows th- closed tighter. So uh, playing on script with timing and rhythm, I think he continued to do that. The arm strength won't be something that shows up uh, as a negative. It's just one of the things, it's part of the whole process and one of the, the parts of the evaluation, part of the scouting report that muddies it up as well as Purdy's playing when we have some of those off-season conversations. But uh, the, the Purdy run is not over yet. And as Charlene puts it here in the uh, in the chat, Purdy Cerebral is still elite and can't be taught. It's like, right, you can't teach 6'5", you can't teach cannon arms, but you can't teach some of the stuff that Purdy has right now because – you would love to package some of the things that Purdy has and put it in uh, some of these guys that are six, five with cannon arms that just don't have whatever that it is. And Purdy absolutely seems to have it. It's really fun to right. watch. So, really um, is. yeah, we got to get, get more and more encouraged every, every time I see him step on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No doubt. Fun game. 49ers beat the Raiders in overtime, 37-34. The 49ers still have a shot at the one seed. They could still end up with the three seed. Right now, currently two seed heading into the final week of the NFL season. Thanks so much for everybody jumping in the chat, making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Check out Locked On NFL Draft. Check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Croc and I back tomorrow right here, Locked On 49ers.